Good morning. Our passage this morning is from Matthew 6, verses 7 through 15. If you're using the Bible in the pew or if you have an ESV version, that's page 811. And, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, I do invite you to have a copy of God's Word open to that text that was just read to us from Matthew's Gospel in the sixth chapter. Uh, It's a little bit different type of a sermon. We're going to kind of use this text and some others as well as we continue our Names of God uh, series that we're going through. We've got off to a good start the last couple weeks with uh, Wayne uh, going through the first two, and today... It's fitting that we, we talk about Father, God as Father. Two weeks ago from today, uh, we, I mentioned, I think I mentioned, my family, we went to an Evensong at uh, Westminster Abbey in London. If you're not familiar with what Westminster Abbey looks like, that's what it looks like. It's uh, kind of a little small country church. Um, and so, you know, this is like this massive uh, thing. Of It's a beautiful building. It's where coronations have happened in London since uh, the year 1066. That's a while ago, in case you were wondering there. Uh, Prince William, or Bill as his friends call him, and uh, Kate Middleton were married there. It was the place where Oliver Cromwell was, uh, his funeral, and of course, probably one of the most famous things in recent history was uh, Princess Diana's funeral was there at Westminster Abbey. And so it's, it's a place where lots of historical events have happened. And uh, just kind of a, it's an Anglican church. And so we had an opportunity to go to Evensong on a Sunday evening there. And it's where the choir sings and there's a short sermon. And it's, it's a, it's a, it was a good opportunity. As typical with most cathedrals, uh, it's in the shape of a cross, okay? So the floor plan is in the shape of a cross. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, Christian symbolism with that. And so you walk in here. This is the main door to walk in here. Uh, you walk across, and there's a bunch of chairs. They're sitting there. There's this, on top of this place here is where the organ is. Right here, there's these wooden, ancient wooden seats. I mean, these things are old. And that's where the choir sits, okay? Then there's more seats over here, more seats over here for the general public. This, there's a lectern, podium, kind of pulpit area right there. That's where the sermon is given. Over here, there's a similar one, and that's where any time the scriptures are read or given there. They have the altar up here, being an Anglican church, they have that there. And so no one sits up here. That would be where uh, they would do the Lord's Supper or Eucharist on a Sunday morning. Uh, that was not taking place when we were there. Um, so I, I just show you all that to kind of give you a mental picture of where we were at. Um, 
I wanted to sit as close as possible because I wanted to see everything that was going on here. So we got ushered in. We walked down here, and they were going to sit us over in here, back in here. And I saw these ladies that were ushering people. And so being the shy American that I am, I went up to her. I said, I'd like to sit closer. I said, is it possible to sit in the choir loft? And she said, yes. And so we sat in the choir loft, okay? So we sat there in these ancient seats back here. The choir comes in. You hear them singing. The choir was in the beginning. They meet out here. You can't see them. And they start singing this beautiful songs. And they come ushered in underneath the organ. And then they sit here. It's just, it was just kind of a, a beautiful place to be in. Um, but I got to admit, it was really great to be so close and to see everything. But I felt a little out of place, okay? As I'm sitting there, I felt a little out of place. Well, one of the reasons why is because I was in full-on tourist garb, right? I mean, I had the cargo pants with about 80 different water bottles in the pockets, you know, for my kids and all this. And so I'm thinking, you know, I, I just, I'm not looking like I belong, you know, here in this so I was feeling a little out of place. And then I knew that the place where I was sitting, the seat that I was sitting in, it has been used by uh, royal dignitaries and weddings and funerals and coronations. I sat in that seat. So as I'm sitting there thinking, man, I just don't feel like I belong here in many ways. And then I also felt because the sermon was weird. So I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I felt a little out of place there. And then did I mention that it was a choir loft? Okay. You know me. You know me. This is like the third time in my life I was in a choir loft, okay? All right. So I felt a little out of place. It was a beautiful experience, but I felt out of place. You say, why are you telling me all this? Why, why is this story? Is this just an excuse to tell you a story from your trip? Partly. But there's a point to it, okay? The point to it is this, is that while it was a great experience, I had this nagging feeling that something was off and I didn't belong. I think that is how people understand God as Father often. They, it's a beautiful concept to them, but there's this nagging feeling sometimes they don't know what to do with it, and they don't know how to relate to God as Father. And so what I hope to do in this sermon today is I hope that, that we look at this text here, and we're looking at others, and how we see that God intends to be our Father. That's what He tends to be, and it's a high honor, and it's a tremendous blessing to have a Heavenly Father. And that's what I hope to unpack over the next few minutes today, okay? Well, I'm going to pray, ask God's blessing, and then uh, we will go through our two main points this morning. Let me pray. Father, thank you that we could and we can call you Father. Thank you that you have made that possible. Thank you that that is a reality that many of us enjoy in this moment. And so, Father, I pray, I pray that as we look at that, we unpack that, we look at the, what this blessing is, this honor and the blessing that it truly is. God, I pray that uh, your spirit use your scriptures to, to recalibrate our relationship with you, to uh, cause us to have a renewed sense of awe of God as Father. I pray that we would have a fresh understanding of that truth today. I pray that we'd be moved by that. I pray that we would find security, that we'd find comfort, that we would find even conviction in this concept, this idea, this truth, this reality that God intends to be, that you intend to be our Father. 
we need your help. We need your spirit to guide us. And so that's what we're praying for right now. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Two points today. The first is this, is that I want to talk for a few minutes here about the unusual honor of calling God Father. It really is an unusual honor. Uh, This text that was read to us here, Jesus here, he's telling us how to pray. That's the context of this. Verse uh, number 9, he says, pray like this. And then he says, our Father in heaven. He just starts that way. And, and he's already talked about and referred to God as Father. He says, your Father, this is verse 6, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Later on in the text, he's going to bring this up. In verse uh, 18, we didn't read that part. It says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's an inclusio. It means that there's kind of bookends there in this section here where he's just talking about this idea of how God means to relate to you in a very personal way. And in the middle of that, when he's instructing them how to pray, He says, refer to him as Father, and this really is a a very unusual honor. First of all, the reason why it's unusual is because no one in the Old Testament, there's no record of anyone in the Old Testament of a person addressing God as Father. There's no record of it. You could look at every person who ever prayed, every person who was visited by God, who, who, who had an, a, an encounter with God. You think of Isaiah. You think of all the angelic messengers that visited people like Abraham and things like that. You think of Moses at the burning bush when God was there. Not one time in any of those circumstances did anyone ever address God as Father. It just was unheard of. It just was absolutely unheard of. It was something that was uh, not even on the realm of possibility. Now, you know, some of you are thinking in your mind, there's something kind of, you know, pinging in your mind right now. You're like, wait a minute here. I, it seems, though, that the concept of God's fatherhood is in the Old Testament here. And, and, and where is that? And you're kind of searching for it right now. And you're right. There's a concept where God, he talks about how he views Israel as a father and sometimes even as a mother, okay? But no one ever addresses God as father, okay? Unheard of. Just doesn't happen. And so when Jesus comes onto the scene and he starts saying to do this, you could understand that it was actually considered radical and the Pharisees even considered it blasphemous. The Pharisees considered it so blasphemous. In fact, this was one of the reasons why they wanted to kill Jesus. In John chapter 5, it says this. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, Jesus, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal as God. And so he says, this was one of the reasons why the Pharisees, that they wanted to kill Jesus is because he kept addressing God as father. And they understood what that meant. They understood that this was a very close, intimate, familial relationship that Jesus was claiming to have with the Father. And here in our text that was read to us just a few minutes ago in Matthew chapter 6 here, Jesus invites people and he says, I want you to call my Father, Father. Jesus invites us to call God Father here. Think about that. This was so unusual, no one in the Old Testament ever did it. This was so highly uh, controversial that the, the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus because of it, partly because of it. And yet, Jesus, he looks at his disciples, and by, by extension to us, he says, when you talk to God, refer to him as Father. Refer to God 
as father. This is unusual. This is an unusual honor. And it really is something that really must be granted to us here. John chapter 1, it says this. It says, but as to those who received him, this is John writing about people receiving Christ, who believe in his name, he, Jesus, gave the right to become children of God. What I'm trying to get at here is we, we, in the beginning part of the sermon, I'm trying to get at this fact that Jesus invites us to call his father our father. He, he, and, and this is something that only Jesus could really do. This is something that could only be given to us. Naturally, none of us have that right. And, and, and some people think that everyone who, who is born and who is created is automatically a child of God. The, the reality is the Bible just doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach that everyone is just naturally in God's family. In fact, the Bible teaches the opposite. Because if we're born in sin, because we have a sin nature, we're born in enmity or enemies or against God that we need to be saved from through faith in Christ, what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so because of what Christ has done for us, he's bringing us the opportunity to, um, to, 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 to call God Father. This was something that Jesus, he, he enjoyed right from the beginning because of his eternal relationship with the Father. But when he brought that into the human realm, it was just absolutely astounding to everyone who heard it. Now, you and I, we, this, the, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is because is I'm trying to take what is something that has become so common to our ears and try to make it fresh again. And try to have you understand and have me understand, have all of us collectively understand what a true high honor it is to be able to call God Father. It's a huge honor. And yet, this is something that Jesus is asking us to do here, right? Okay? Here's one thing I, I, I you know, there was, Jesus always, when he's addressing the, the God in the Gospels, he always, um, he always refer to God as Father, okay, except one time. There was only one time that I could find in all Scripture, in the Gospels particularly, when Jesus is referring to God, when he's talking to God, when he's, you know, all of his prayers and things like this, there's only one time where he does not call him Father or refer to him as Father. Anyone know when that was? Crucifixion on the cross. When he's hanging on the cross... And what does he say there? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's only one time in all of Scripture when Jesus does not refer, when he's talking directly to God, Father on his earthly ministry, when he doesn't refer to him as Father Nez, when he's hanging on the cross, when he's in our place, when he's becoming sin for us, when he is bearing the weight and the punishment of sin, he relinquishes the term Father and he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's, and he's in anguish, he's crying out to God because of what sin had done. That's the power of sin. That's what sin does is it separates us from God, right? And so we need to be brought near to this. So we need to be brought near to God. And there has to be a gap. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he did not refer to God as Father. He referred to him as God because he was in our place, in our natural place. And when he made that sacrifice for us, and when he died and he rose again, and the, the debt was paid then, since penalty was accomplished, and it was paid in full by Jesus, that's when Jesus says, okay, you can call him Father. Because what I'm doing, and he knew that in Matthew chapter 6, he knew what he was going to do. He says, because of what I'm going to stand in your place, because I am going to be that sacrifice in your place, therefore, you can call God Father if you believe in me. 
And that's what John 1 said, we just read before, is because it was through faith in Jesus Christ, it's through believing in Him and what He's done that we can call God Father. So my question today is, is are you God's child? Uh, it's not by just being born. It's through faith and belief in Jesus Christ. It's by repenting of your sins and asking God to forgive you of your sins. And then one of the benefits of salvation is it's not just, okay, you're not going to have to go to hell. One of the benefits of that is that you are brought near to God and you have a relationship with the creator of this universe. It is so dear and so near and so special. The, the immeasurable distance between a sinful human and a holy God is erased when we're able to call God Father. He erases that. He brings them near. He brings them to the table. We're going to celebrate the table in just a little bit. This is a family table. We get to be with God. And so when we're talking about God as Father, this is, this is so precious and it's such an unusual honor. Now, the other thing that we see from this text here, and again, I told you it's a little bit type of different type of sermon today, but, but we, we look in verse 9 where he says, pray this way, our Father in heaven, okay? We, we don't want to skip over the word our there, okay? What that means is, is that we're not only children in this family. We have siblings. We have spiritual brothers and sisters that we have this opportunity to relate to one another, to be with one another, and to, to see how God is interacting with them and to, to be part of this family. And so, so God has given us this wonderful family to be part of in Christ. And so my question today is, are you part of that family? Have you asked Christ to save you from your sins? Have you asked God to forgive you? Have you trusted in what Christ has done in Christ alone and only what he's done for salvation? And again, I, I preach this message knowing that many of you have, have been to church for a long time, but I've also been alive long enough. I've also been in ministry long enough to know that there are people who often spend years and years and years in church and they don't truly know Christ. I don't know you're standing before God. That's between you and God. But what I do know is that I would not be a good pastor if I didn't plead with everyone here today to make sure that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And then the benefits of that is that you get a, earth, a, a heavenly, perfect Father in God. That's what you can have. And so if you don't know if you're part of this family, the family of God, truly, it's not by natural birth, it's through belief in Christ, there's a few things. One, you know, we could talk later on. I'd be happy to talk to you. There's other people here that would love to talk to you. Or two, the Bible makes it very clear. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. The Bible says, ask him for forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right where you're at, you can ask God to forgive you of your sins, save you from your sins, to follow him, and he will do that, and you'll be part of the family of God. I'd love to talk to you more about that. It's a tremendous honor to be part of God's family. Now, for those of you and those of us that maybe you say, no, I, I am a believer in Christ. I, I, I'm convinced of that because of what God has done in my life. Can I just impress upon you to, just to, to ruminate a little bit about what it is it an honor to have God, a holy God, want you to call him Father? Loving, gracious Father. We're going to talk about what this means here in just a second here. But I want you just to embrace this idea of how unusual it is. 
My family is, again, um, my family, we, we visited, while we were on this trip, we visited Windsor Castle. If you're not familiar with Windsor Castle, it's, uh, it's a royal residence in, in England. And uh, we were able to, to, to go on this tour, and we were able to allow to go in certain places and things like that. But we couldn't go anywhere we wanted, right? There were very specific ropes and very specific, you know, uh, places to go, and that you could go here, you could not go there, okay? Uh, we were guests. We were visitors. We were outsiders there. I'm not part of the royal family in England, at least to my knowledge, I'm not. Um, so we had severe limitations on where we could go, who we could talk with, all of that. I bring this up to say that is not the case with our Heavenly Father. We, we have access to God, the creator of this universe, the omnipotent God, the God who literally spoke this world into existence, the God who is uh, uh, above all. The, we just sang a song to the one whom all kings will bow down. Uh, this God, we have access to him, not just access to him to be in his, uh, uh, to get his ear and, and be in a royal chamber, so to speak, so that he can just listen to us. It's, he says, not only that, he says, I want you to call me Father. It's such an unusual gift from God. So don't take it for granted that the God of the universe can be your father. That's this first part of this first half of this message I wanted to impress upon you and impress upon my own heart is we take this far to granted, for, for granted far too often. Let's be honest. We do. We take it for granted that God, a holy, perfect, omnipotent God, says, I'm your father. We need to, we need to embrace that. We need to live in that reality. We need to, to love that and, and live in light of that because it, it, it changes how we view God in many ways. Okay, number two, second point as we work through this here. I want to talk about now it's an honor to be able to call him Father, but I want to talk about the blessing that it is, okay? There's, there's, a, there's a blessing of heaven. There's a, and I, and I've, I've nudged up against it in the first point a little bit. I've, I've hinted at it. We've, we've kind of gone into the waters that these points overlap just slightly here. But I want to, I want to drill down in the next few minutes here just on what, what tremendous blessing this is. And, and the way we're going to do that is to kind of talk about what the Father's like, okay, for a few minutes here. We're going to look at different passages of Scripture. Um, some of them have already been read to you um, uh, in either the, in, in one of the Scripture readings uh, that we've already had throughout the service here. Okay, first of all is our Father is compassionate. Uh, Nate read for us in the beginning of the service uh, Psalm 103. Um, and it was intentional that that was read because we knew that I knew that we were going to be coming to this text here. In, in, in specifically in verses 13 and 14, he talks about there, the psalmist talks about there, he talks about how that God as a father shows compassion to his children. Okay? I mean, this is God. He says this is just like a, a father naturally wants to show compassion to their children. And for those of you who are dads, you know what I'm talking about. And even, even the most kind of like, um, uh, you know, maybe gruff dads a little bit, of thing, there's still something inside of every dad who has this compassion for their children. And usually if they're really gruff and things like that, it's because they probably just don't know how to, how to articulate or how to, how, to, how to show that in many ways. Probably wasn't modeled for them, but the point is, is that it's still there. Um, there is compassion there. God has compassion. He's absolutely kind. And one of the ways that we could understand what the word compassion means there is that he kind of feels with us. He understands what we're going through. 
And there are so many things that maybe my children go through and they're going to go through that I'm not going to be able to fully understand it um, because I'm limited as an earthly father. Not so with your heavenly father. He knows. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to have a child die. Have you thought about that? He knows what it's like to have this, this change in relationship. He knows what it's like for people to reject not only him, but his, his son. I think as a dad, I can deal a whole lot more. And I, 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 you know, people rejecting me is one thing. But when you, when you start seeing people reject your kids, that's when you kind of feel like, all right, you know. You start feeling a little like, you know, that temperature rising up. If you reject me, whatever, you know, you're lost. But, you know, if you reject them, you know, the kids, you feel like you want to protect them a little bit. God understands that feeling. He feels with us. He understands all that because of what Christ went through. Because of Christ, this is the case. And so when it says that, you know, this, this tremendous blessing is that our Father knows exactly what we're feeling. He knows exactly how, we're, you know, how such situations are affecting us. He knows all the circumstances that are in our lives right now. He knows our thoughts. He knows what's going through. He knows all those, those quiet fears that are in our souls and in our minds. I don't always know what's going on in my kids' heads, okay? For those of you parents, you know that frustration, How many times has a parent said to a child, what were you thinking, (laughs) right, right? I think how many times my parents said that to me, right? You know, we don't know. It just doesn't make sense sometimes. And that's not with the Heavenly Father. He knows what we were thinking. He knows all of those fears. And sometimes you look at your child, you know something is wrong. You know something's bothering them. And you just want anything to know. Okay, tell me about this. And maybe they're struggling with the words to tell you. And so there's a communication breakdown. You're trying to figure this out. Like, okay, just tell me what the problem is. And I want to help and everything. This is not so with the Heavenly Father. He knows our thoughts. He knows. He feels what he understands it. He is the perfect father. What a blessing. What a blessing to have that relationship. Why would we not pray to him like Jesus says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why would we not spend time with him? The blessing it is to have a father. He's compassionate. Later on, in the very next verse in Psalm 103 there, verse 14, it says, he knows, maybe you'll remember this when they read it, he knows our frame, he remembers that we're dust. Do you remember that being read? Do you remember that? Okay. He knows our frame, he remembers that we're dust. I find such encouragement in that verse. That God the Father, the all-powerful God, he knows my limitations. He knows my weaknesses. He knows who I truly am. One of the frustrations that we often have in a relationship is when we have unrealistic expectations of someone else. When we expect someone to respond in a certain way that maybe that is beyond their capabilities, but yet we still have that expectation because there's that limitation in that relationship. Not so with the Heavenly Father. Not so. He knows our weaknesses. He knows that we are but dust, and that is why that comes right on the heels of his compassion. This is the blessing of having a heavenly father. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our limitations. He knows you better than you know yourself. He formed you. He created you. He made you. He's the one that is orchestrating life circumstances for you. Let me tell you, 
This is a tremendous blessing to have a father like this in your life. God the Father. He is compassionate. He understands us. But that would be good, but it would be problematic if um, he understood all this and everything, but he was not a good God. That would be a problem because then what he would do is he would take our weaknesses and he would use them against us. He would take our limitations and he would exploit them if he wasn't a good God. But not so was your heavenly Father. He is holy and righteous. John chapter 17 um, is a high priestly prayer. I, I, I won't take time to turn there, but you know that's a, it's a text you want, want, want to read later on. It's a, it's a prayer right before Jesus. He goes to the cross, and he's praying to the Father there. And, he, and of course, he talks to the Father a few times. But it, there's, there's two verses I'm going to highlight here, one in verse 11 and one in verse 25, where he moves from just calling God Father, but then he says, Holy Father. And he says, Righteous Father. And he's praying for his disciples and not just the, uh, the 11 disciples um, that were there um, because Judas uh, was going to betray him. But it was uh, also he was praying for all the disciples that would come after, including you and me. And so he's praying there and he's referring to the Father as holy and righteous. And so as I said earlier, it would be one thing, it'd be, it's good that God is compassionate, it's good that God knows our limitations, but if you were not a good God, then that would be problematic. But God is holy and he is righteous. He is good. Everything he does, what he does is right. As a father to two children, I sometimes, often, second-guess my decisions. Have you ever been there as a parent, those of your parents in the room? Have you ever thought, did I handle that right? Or have you ever had to apologize to your kids? I hope the answer is yes, because we, we need to apologize to our kids if we've sinned against them or we've done something wrong. I've had to apologize to my kids. I've had to say, I was wrong. I let my anger show way too much there. I did not handle that correctly here. I said that I should not have done that, or whatever the case may be, or I neglected this, or whatever the case is. This is not the case with our Heavenly Father. He is holy, and He is righteous, and He never does anything wrong. We have a perfect Father available to us to guide us in life, and that this is only available because of Christ, and this is the beautiful thing what Christ did is He says, okay, I want you to have my dad. I want you to have my father. I want you to be brought into my family. I want you to see His holiness. I want you to see His righteousness. I want you to see His compassion. I want you to see how He understands. I want you to know my dad. He's awesome. Please know Him. This is what Christ does for us. God never has to ask for forgiveness. He never has to, he never second guesses his decision because he's always right. So he's compassionate. He understands us. He's holy. He's righteous. He's also merciful. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he's called the Father of mercies. The Father of mercies. This is, this is who he is. This is God. He's, he's the father of mercies. And so what that means is that he never, he does not always give us what we deserve because we deserve punishment. We deserve, we deserve a separation because remember, that's what, how, how sin that effect was. Remember, it talks about how the, the, the tremendous effect of sin was that it separates us from God the Father. But yet what Jesus did on the cross for us brings us near to him. And so we can have God's mercy because of what Christ did for us. 
He shows mercy to us. If God were to call us to account for everything we've done, no one could stand. I couldn't. You couldn't. But because of God's mercy, not only can we be forgiven, but we are brought near. And so this is what I want to impress upon us today. This is a tremendous blessing. It's a tremendous honor that we can have this relationship with God. This is, a, this is unique to Christianity. Uh, is, this is unique to, to uh, you know, all the other rules, uh, uh, religions of the world. I mean, you see how man has to find his way to God. You have to have where man has to get himself to a point where he's acceptable to God. Or man has to get to this place of where God will finally accept him and things. And this is not the case with Christianity. Christianity says that we're, we can't do it. And so we have to believe in Christ and understand what he's done and accomplished for us, what he did in our place. And, and the only thing we do is we believe in him. The only thing we believe, the only thing we can add to the equation is is that we say, okay, I can't do it. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to follow you. That's what we bring to the table. But it's God's salvation, what he's done through Christ, and he brings to us. And then he says, it's not just this far away God. This is what I want us to focus on today. It's not just this far away God that's so distant and impersonal. It is someone who is our personal father. You know, and maybe this is on my mind because of, you know, our recent trip and going to these castles and things like this, the whole royal family thing and stuff like this. And, you know, and it's kind of foreign to us, right? You know, as Americans, you know, we kind of like went away from the whole monarchy thing, you know. Uh, I tell my kids not to run through Windsor Castle saying the British are coming, the British are coming, you know, and so all that. So, you know, um, all that, you know, I mean, it's kind of foreign to us, but, you know, it's kind of in my mind a little bit of like this whole idea of, of, of royal families and things like this. And it's just, it's just really odd in some ways to try to figure this whole thing out. Often you can have a king, you can be related to the king, and they don't even know your name. I mean, they know your name because it's written down, but there's just no personal relationship there at all. It's so distant, they're so far-fetched, they're so untouchable, they're so... Things like, this is not the case with God. He's personal. He says, I want you to call me Father. So beautiful. One other thing is, before I, I bring this to a close about our Father, is that here's another thing about our Father, is that He cares more about our long-term holiness than our short-term happiness. Our Father cares more about our long-term holiness than our short-term happiness. And that is a sign of love because it is so tempting as a parent to just give your kids what they want, number one, so they can stop crying or whatever they're doing, um, or two, because you just want to give your kids what they want. I mean, that's what parents want to do. But it takes a wise parent to say no at times or this is not good right now. So I'm going to say no to this, even though I know you want this, and I know that you, this is what you so want, and I feel like I'm crushing your dream here. But yeah, I'm going to say no to this because you're being a parent there. God is the perfect parent, and he is more concerned with our long-term holiness than our short-term happiness. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, again, I won't turn there to time, but you could look it up later on. There's this text there where it talks about how that God deals, the Father, he deals with people as with sons. And the ones who he loves, those his sons, he deals with sons and he disciplines, right? It talks about they bring corrective care. And, and why does he do that? Is it because he doesn't care about his kids? No, the text is very clear. It talks about his love for the child. He does this. He cares about their long-term goals and their long-term holiness. The other text you see on the screen there in your notes is, is Luke, Luke chapter 15. That's the story in, in verses 11 to 32. It was most popularly known as the prodigal son. 
prodigal son story is that it's a story Jesus told of, he says, a certain man had two sons. And so he begins to tell the story about a man having two sons, and the younger son came to him one day, and he said, uh, I want my inheritance, give me my inheritance, and I'm going to go away. And, and, and obviously, we don't know the full backstory in Jesus' story here, but there probably was some contention of some sort, and so this younger son wanted his inheritance early. Now, you have to understand, in that culture, that kind of really was saying, I wish you were dead, Dad. Uh, the only thing you're good for me right now is the money that, that I'm waiting to get. And I don't want to wait. I want it now. And so what does the father do in that situation? And in that culture, the, you know, the father could have disowned him uh, for dishonor. But the father does something different. The father gives him the inheritance, and he lets him go away. Very tearfully, I'm sure. But he lets him go away. Why does he do that? Because he knows that this son is going to have to experience some of the consequences of bad decisions in order for him to recognize and realize what he had. And so in love, even though, even though it was hard and even though it, it, it broke his heart, he let the son go. And he's, many of you remember the story. After the son spends all of his inheritance and he finds himself poor and destitute and all the people that he had been around partying with, they all deserted him because the money ran out. And so he's trying to find money. He's trying to find food. He ends up in a pig pen, literally a pig pen. And he's trying to, to figure out what to do there. He's taking care of pigs and he's looking at the pig's food and he's like, you know, I have so hungry. That kind of even looks good. And he comes to himself. The Bible says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare? And yet I am dying of hunger, hunger here. He says, I'm going to rise. I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to say, I've sinned against heaven and, and in thy sight. Make me as one of your hired servants. He says, just, he goes, you know, my father's servants they have bread. Their food, they eat. My, fa my father takes care of the servants really well. I'm just going to go back because I've sinned so much. I I'm just going to ask to be restored as a servant, not as a son, but as a servant. And so he does. He gets up and he goes. And some of you remember the story. You'll remember in Luke chapter 15 when the father is, sees his son coming from a great way off. He ran and met him. And fell on his neck, the Bible says, and kissed him. And he put a ring on his hand and, and sandals on his feet, a robe around his neck, killed a fatted calf, had a feast for him. And he said, why? This, my son, he was lost and is now is found. My son is home. You see, God is more concerned about our long-term relationship with him than those short individual decisions and those short little things that happen every day. So what does that mean, translated? What that means is that sometimes God, in his love for us, lets us experience the penalty and the difficulties of sin and how bad it is, and it feels like he's abandoned us. It feels like he's walked away from us. It feels like that he doesn't care about us anymore. But what Hebrews chapter 12 is teaching us, what Luke chapter 15 is teaching us, what we know about the character of God is that he actually loves us so much that he's sacrificing the short-term happiness for the long-term holiness. This is the type of father you have. And he does that perfectly. He does that well. And we need to do that as dads. We need to do that. We need to be invested in our lives. And so I'm going to bring this to some application here and we'll bring this to a close. Is that, you know, particularly the fathers here who are here today, we need to take heart in this. We need to look at what type of father the God is to us. And we need to try to emulate to the best we can. And, and, and there's, of course, spillover to mothers as well. And those of you who aren't parents here, you say, well, where does this leave me? Well, it leaves you how God, understand how God's relating with you. And how you can worship him and how you can, you can appreciate what he does and why he does in your life. 
But, you know, for the parents in the room, let us, be, you know, sit up and take real note to how God parents us here. You know, there are times where we just need to tell our kids, no, you're not going to listen to that. No, you're not going to watch this unfiltered. Or no, we're not going to do this. No, we're not going to let this idol get in the way of that and everything. We've got to tell our kids no sometimes, even though it is what we want to give them because we know that that's what they want. But we've got to be the parents to say, this is not helpful. Or no, we're going to go to church. Or no, we're going to be involved in this. Or no, we're going to be praying together as a family and things like this. We have to do that as parents. Particularly us dads, we have to do that. It's not always easy. And, and again, I can't promise you that if you do that, I can't promise you that if, if, if you make sure your kids are in church every Sunday and always reading the Bible as a family, I can't promise you that they're going to turn out uh, perfectly and that they're going to uh, carry on the faith. I can't promise that. But what I can promise you is that you've fulfilled your responsibility. You've created and cultivated the space for them to grow in Christ. And I will say this, is that the more we do that, the higher likelihood is that our kids are going to carry that on. But it's more than just creating the space for it. I have to say this. We have to be the type of parents where we see the kids see Christ changing us rather than us just being busy for Christ. Rather than us just doing the things, they, they have to see Christ changing us. And that means that we've got to be transparent sometimes. That means we've got to show that, okay, I was wrong here or whatever. We, the kids, our children need to see Christ at work in us. And so there's a lot of ways that we could apply this today here. But what I am saying is this, is that we must recognize that it is a blessing to have a father like God. And we need to emulate that parents or not. We need to seek to show compassion. We need to seek to understand others, particularly as parents, understand our children and invest in them. Pursue righteousness and holiness for our sake, for their sake. Uh, Show mercy and have the long game in mind like Christ, the Father has for us. There's so many ways that we could do this. In fact, the challenge of the sermon for me as I was getting ready, the, you know, the last few days here to, to preach this is, okay, where, how do I limit this? Because God is infinite here. But I wanted us to settle on this, that it is an honor to be able to call God Father. Do you believe that? Is he your Father? We've talked about that already. I encourage you, cry out to God. Ask him to save you if you are not already one of his. It's a blessing to have a father like God. This should cause us to run to him, to trust him, to worship him, to obey him. Now, perhaps some of the people here have a hard time seeing God as father because you don't have a good experience with your earthly father. The remedy, just understand this, and I, and I thought about making this a bigger part of the sermon, but I opted not to. But let me just say this. The remedy for a bad father is not the removal of a father figure, Okay? The remedy for having a bad earthly father or a poor one or an insufficient one is the gift of receiving the gift of the perfect father through Christ. That's what Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer where we started today. He says, I want you to call my dad your father. It's a beautiful thing. 